0: Hello, and welcome to the first episode of our podcast, Inside the Locker Room. My name is Oscar O'Kane, I'm a classic student at Leeds, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Mr. Theo Gench. How are <laughs> oh, we doing, you. my friend?
1: I'm good, I'm good. It's great to be here on the debut show of Inside the Locker Room. Um, and I feel like we'll, we'll start by introducing ourselves, um, as it is our introductory episode. Um, so yes, I'm Theo Gench. Um, I'm a Man United fan, and then my second smaller team is Galatasaray, because I have quite a Turkish background, um, and yourself Oscar, uh, we clash. Yes, <laughs> we, uh, we, we do clash, we do clash,
0: <laughs> I'm a Liverpool fan, I know that a lot of people don't like Liverpool, including <laughs> Theo, um, and I live in Fulham, so Fulham is the second club that I care about a lot, and both um, those clubs for me luckily at the moment are doing, doing pretty well, yeah. doing pretty well. <laughs> But, Can't um, say the same for mine, but... <laughs> yeah, don't think we can, to be honest. But um, I think a good way to start off with is um, what was the moment that made us fall in love with football? And I, mm. I would say, personally for me, it was when Gerard scored that long-range screamer against Middlesbrough 2008. Oh. And that's what made me fall in love with him. And that's what kind of really made me fall in love with Liverpool. It was just the most beautiful goal I'd ever seen. It was an incredible strike. Mm. And I thought... That is the beauty of this game, really. Yeah. What was your moment?
1: Throughout? I, uh, well, I had two players, I'd say, um, which they were both so aggressive for United. One being Rooney, and that the bicycle kick, the mm. classic mm. Oh, against Man City. What a goal. I think cool. for any United fan, that has to be up there. Um, and then the second player I'd go for would be Vidic. Just obviously, as a defender, you don't have those standout moments, but just him in general. It was an absolute monster Those Vidic, the passion he had
0: yeah, those Vidic-Torres battles were. Yeah. I used to think they were the best that's what I used to love that about um, if, if I ever need to get Darby. hyped
1: up I just put a Vidic compilation on best tackles just
0: to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get yeah. me going United need a Vidic at the moment yeah, yeah but we will, um, we'll get onto that much later yeah, we'll um, get on, what, on there, yeah. so basically, ladies and gentlemen our podcast um, it's effectively what we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks is we're going to be looking at the other side of football um, be prepared for fan interactions for club interviews and debates with you the listeners we're going to be going around clubs particularly in the Yorkshire area mm. as we are both students in Yorkshire and we're going to be speaking to managers and players and fans and asking what do they do when they're not doing football and the more personal mm. aspects of their life
1: because we understand that um, football in Yorkshire is a lot of grassroot teams and through like some dialogues we've had with the clubs or Yorkshire clubs they have said how important it is for them, um, like the family aspect of the football club. And I think we both find that really interesting. And so, hopefully, in upcoming interviews, stay tuned for that. Um, we'll we'll get to the heart of those those issues.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's very interesting because obviously, as as we're all lovers of the game, we love the beautiful game. We we go, we pay our ticket, we go and watch the game. But what happens when they're not playing the game? What do mm. they do behind the scenes? What's it like in a changing room? What are managers like? How do they operate their lives? How how does it work with their children, their wives, mm. um, their family? Um, does it cause issues? Are they a bit, maybe potentially reckless, or yeah, um, yeah. or are they cool, calm, and collected and, and driven? So we want to look at the other side of football. I think it's important, and we know this being in students at Leeds that football is a massive part of the community. Mm. Um, and we and this podcast will delve deeper, much more into those into those um, key issues.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that's that's enough introduction for, um, for what we've been chatting about. Um, we have asked you guys at home um, for your unpopular opinions. Um, shout out to Joe Clark for letting me use the sports Instagram, by the way.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> and we had a few reactions. Um, so firstly, we have Cam, uh, who submitted his unpopular opinion that there should be no limits on the number of subs a team can make. Which I feel like bigger teams, or the Man Cities, the main writers would leap at that. But mm. the smaller teams, or the grassroots teams, they would, I don't know, they don't have the squad depth, do they? I they don't have their 80 million defender
0: on the bench. <laughs> God, either even is worth that, to yeah. but, um, it's a But that's a very interesting question, actually. It's actually mm. a really good one to start off with, because... I think that there can be a problem when you have too many substitutions. Mm. People might be thinking you're going to be time-wasting. I do think though, with the substitutions, if it gets to a stage where it's a serious injury, like a head injury, Mm. I think that there's so much more medical attention on football players, it's Mm. the best that we've ever seen for years, that I think then there can be, I think maybe we should have a couple more subs. But in terms of there should be no limits on it, I think that's wrong. Because mm. I think well, that teams we'll, could we'll try and like, waste time. We'll get to a point
1: where, um, you know in American football, where there's a kicker for the team, and he, whenever they get like a kick, he will just come on, take the kick, and then go off. Like <laughs> yeah, imagine, that's true. Yeah. Imagine you you get, um, in football, you get a penalty awarded against you, and you have yeah. a specialist goalkeeper who saves penalties. I feel like that's just a weird concept, Just Put him on take him off
0: well that's what that's what man actually painful memory for me that's <laughs> what manchester city did um when we played them in the capital one cup final mm. he took off i think it was joe hart at the time mm. and he put on willie Caballero, oh, who was yeah. a True. penalty shot stopper yeah and he saved three of our penalties i remember i <laughs> remember lallana scuffed his coutinho saved and mm. i think um Benteke stuff. Oh, god Benteke. Oh, the- <laughs> Stuffed is as well But yeah teams do do that They would sometimes bring on players I mean I always think I always think it'd be quite funny What you could do You could just sign Akinfenwa Right Tell him yeah. to go on the pitch And then tell him to go Run to the corner flag And just shrug everyone hold it. off <laughs> Just to waste the most of my time but, yeah, um, It would be
1: interesting like, To see the tactics And how it shaped the game But I yeah. don't know I might be a bit Traditional in my views But I want to keep those the, yeah. Like the, How it is at the moment so. I, think, I
0: think I'm think i with you I think I agree with you we then have another suggestion from um, Ellis. Shout out to Ellis. Um, he says, Jorginho is widely overrated and wouldn't be talked about half as much if he didn't take penalties. Ooh.
1: Which is a big claim because he, he was third in the Ballon d'Or. Like, and he's, he's won a lot as well. But I do understand where he's coming from. It's a bit of like stat padding. So.
0: I, I have to say, I, I, I am with Ellis. I, mm. I think that Jorginho... Yes, he's won the Euros with Italy. Yes, he won the Champions League with Chelsea. Mm. Yes, he's been a decent player. But if you take Jorginho out of that Chelsea team, how much are they missing? I mean, he doesn't Mm. score loads of goals. He doesn't have loads of assists. He doesn't cover the most distance. He's not the best defensive player at Chelsea or the best attacking midfielder at Chelsea. And yes, he's decent at taking pens, but he has Mm. missed the odd one. Um, well, his weird run up by the way his weird <laughs> run up, yeah I don't understand his run up I find it, It, it make, I mean I'm not a Chelsea fan so, but mm-hmm. if I'm a Chelsea fan watching him take a pen, I'd probably be nervous all the time, mm-hmm. I like players like Sally, who Just they just smash it in, no hesitation power, <laughs> the,
1: the shit house pen obviously yeah, just if, hard down the middle absolutely <laughs> it has to be done
0: but um, I, I agree with Ellis I think that mm-hmm. Jorginho whilst he's a good player, he's not as good as third on the Ballon d'Or list, like mm. him finishing above Salah is Jorginho a better player than Mo Salah? He's not, but I know, and I do understand that he has won those two trophies. But for me, I think he's a very overrated football player.
1: Do you not think? Um, obviously, if we're saying chat about him and his goals, he's obviously he scores pens, but I think he's a lot more than just goals as well. If I mean, I I understand why he's rated highly because I think he is a good like leader in the Chelsea team like i think when we talk about the great teams of um, the last several decades they have such a solid like spine and i do think at the moment he is quite important in that spine of the chelsea team even if he's not the like best well-rounded player i do think he still provides um, some like leadership and some i don't know a bit of grit about him and he makes everyone else around him better yeah well, i guess that's easy to say when you've got Kante in your midfield partnership, you've probably got a yeah. good midfield.
0: That's the thing though. I, I mean maybe I mean I, I don't go to watch Chelsea every week and Chelsea you fans They have a I'm actually wearing a blue top as we speak. Basically look like a Chelsea fan. Yeah. But um I just think that maybe he does things that maybe go unnoticed. Maybe he mm. does the hard gritty tackles that you mentioned. Um, for me personally though, if you asked a Chelsea fan would you rather lose Jorginho or Kante? I guarantee you that every single Chelsea yeah. fan will say Jorginho. Yeah, and how can you hate Kante? And how I can mean. you hate Kante? <laughs> or, or what he does on and off the pitch is admirable. So, mm. Ellis, I I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. Anyway.
1: But then, I think, moving on to our last unpopular opinion, which is um, a bit close to me as a United fan, um, we had <laughs> Harry Maguire was worth the money Right, which i that? think that's the most unpopular one we've probably had today that, but
0: that okay i mean <laughs> maguire 80 million mm. i think actually i wanted to ask you this mm-hmm. do you think that the price tag has has been one of the factors that means that maguire's form has not been the best do you think he feels like he has to live up to the um, 80 million that they spend i think it's just
1: as well coming to united as well like it's a team he's supported Ever since he was the kid, that's why all these sort of got him in, um, and I think, like you said, the money and the fact he's playing for Man United is huge pressure, which, like, it makes you a bit more erratic in a position where you need calmness. And he's had many, many erratic Maguire moments. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. I, I, I obviously, um, in response to that opinion, mm-hmm. I disagree. Obviously, I, I don't think Maguire was worth the money. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately. He hasn't been the greatest captain. It's been off-field stuff. That whole thing about when he was in Greece, and oh, yeah, that didn't like that, look very good for his yeah. image. Um, maybe that's maybe that could be another reason. I mean, Though mm. media, you know, the English media are notoriously quite bullish to players. You know, you mm. get a, a rough treatment. You get like the rough hair treatment. Really, it's like being told off by your parents. Yeah. You know what I mean? You just you don't really want to go through it. But he isn't worth the money. And you, mm. I mean, and you can and you know that because Leicester replaced Maguire with. Kaglar Soyuncu and bought mm. him for thirty million and I think Soyuncu is just as, if not better, than Harry Maguire. Mm, and I don't think yeah. that Leicester actually massively missed Maguire when he left Man United. Mm. Neither way if you when Van Dyke came to Liverpool for cheaper, you know, when uh, when we first saw him I thought we spent way too much money on him, but obviously it's turned out to be one of the best pieces that was of the, that was, the club's ever made. You just
1: needed that one piece of the jigsaw and Van Dyke was that, which mm. I think if you're gonna warrant spending Uh, even 70 plus million on a player yeah it has to be that final piece of the jigsaw and so like I agree I agree with you on this one I don't think he was worth the money Um, I do think he's still valuable though I don't think he's totally worthless Um, I think maybe this season he has been but like in previous seasons he has been um, he has had quality like his passing for a centre-back I think Mm. is unbelievable but yeah. it's just that defending sometimes yeah I mean with Maguire important <laughs> but
0: yeah I mean <laughs> it's just he's not the most mobile player he's very you know one of the good things about the Liverpool team is that we have Van Dijk who doesn't need to be the most mobile because we have defenders alongside him who are quick people like Gomez people like Konate Maguire he doesn't really have that and I feel like every time he touches the ball he has a nervous moment or there's some nervous pressure that's mm. happening with him um and many United fans, I mean, we know, me and Theo know a fair few United fans at least. Yeah. And they're not happy with Maguire, not no. at all. Um, I, I do
1: think he is being used as a bit of a scapegoat. Obviously, he hasn't had the best games, but yeah. I saw it with Fred as well. And I get they don't play well, like you give a bit of stick for it. But they do get a ridiculous amount of stick, obviously because United is such a big football club. But I do think we as United fans, when a game doesn't go our way we love to just take it out on one player and Fred isn't getting that hate anymore because I think he has put in a few good shifts even though he's a bit inconsistent and Maguire's just messing up so we're focusing everything on him yeah. all the hate on him which some of it's warranted but I do think it is quite
0: excessive I think that's actually that's a fair point that's a fair point to be fair I just for me personally Maguire would be getting nowhere near Liverpool starting eleven. Oh, I just think no. he's a liability I just <laughs> no. think he doesn't there's a mistake in him. He may be brilliant for a month, mm-hmm. but then he'll have an absolute horror show of a performance. I just think you can't... He's not a very reliable football player. I wouldn't be relying on Maguire to be performing consistently. Mm-hmm. And I just think he's lost his confidence, because in the years for England, he was brilliant. He was good, yeah. Um, was him easy. and Luke Shaw were two of the outstanding players of the tournament. But then for United,
1: they that might just be burnout from the Euros. But they have definitely both dipped in form, so mm,
0: mm, mm, I absolutely. guess we'll we'll see. We There's will always see. next season. <laughs> we will see onto next season. Hopefully, for bigger and better things for Harry. Yeah. Um, I think what we'll now do is we will turn to the match week teams of the week, and we'll discuss a little bit, uh, definitely about last night's results. Yes. But also, a bit of a a bit of a lighter note. Um. We're going to do this as uh, a regular thing on our podcast which will be the biggest shit house moment <laughs> of the week. And, uh, and the winner...
1: This week, yes. Well, there's there's eventually. been two up there, hasn't there? But yeah. I think yeah. this first one takes the cake. It's um, Chris Wood uh, meowing at Kurt Zuma <laughs> in the Newcastle and West Ham game yeah. which I think oh, like up there. The biggest shit house moment so of the, the season, I'd say, actually.
0: It, it's such a... Chris Wood thing to do, do you yeah. know what I mean? I always think of him at Burnley when he honestly he just bullied people and just didn't mm. care, and him just I can't imagine him just going up. I can imagine him just meowing to Zuma because that's just <laughs> the, that's the, that's the that's the Sean Dyche inner Burnley that's been mm. taught told him to do that. Yeah. But um, also, have you seen uh, have you heard the West Ham fans chant? For uh, Kurt Zuma, can we can we say it on on air? I don't think it? we can. Yeah. I don't think we can, but it's quite jokes. It's quite. There we joke. go. But Zuma.
1: I mean, since the whole cat thing, he's looks a bit shaky. Watch yeah. Like well, well <laughs> I mean, it messes with your head, yeah. I guess. But, yeah, yeah, um,
0: yeah. But he's had to now donate money to the um, cat charities and stuff. You know? Yeah, but oh, uh, don't, David don't Moyes don't your cat in the first place, right? basically. Oh, Just <laughs> such a weird thing he did as well. But
1: good, good on Chris Wood. He's my my new favourite um, Newcastle player for doing yeah. that.
0: Yeah, and absolutely. Get,
1: imagine, imagine you've done that. That must get in Kazuma's head so much. Yeah,
0: I, yeah you must up. think. You must think. It's just. I mean, he. it's bad enough already having to deal with him mm. to, to then be literally mocked. It's yeah. just. <laughs> it's just robbing salt in the room, to be <laughs> yeah. honest, at this point. Um, and then the second one um, we're going to talk about is actually based on yesterday's game, which was when Kane tried to run down the clock by pretending he didn't hear the ref's whistle. <laughs> To waste time for Spurs. I mean he did def- he literally he just continued to run. As if he mm. just thought he was through on goal. Obviously he knew the whistle had gone. He yeah. didn't even get books for it though, actually. No, well. no, he just no, didn't heard, get books. I
1: heard people calling for a yellow at least, but, um, but that it's was just funny. Bless him. Bless yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what a That's hero awesome. to be
0: honest, what a hero. But um I think the winner considerably is definitely Chris Wood. Is yeah. it? It's hilarious. Um <laughs> on the note of Harry Kane, on the note of Tottenham. We're going to talk a bit about last night's performance. I think yeah. I think we can't do this episode without talking about the massive result that happened yesterday.
1: 3-2 Tottenham, Man City. That's blown the title race wide open. And do you reckon that makes Kane, because I think we're going to make this a segment as well, our player of the game week. So game week 26. Mm-hmm. I would say Kane, he, like he's had a brilliant performance. But then we, we were chatting off there, and um, you said a, a different Tottenham player who you watched the match. I said he was brilliant.
0: I, I did actually. I've, I'm going to go for Dejan Kulusevski. He was sensational in that game. And I think that front three of Kane, Son, and Kulusevski—they ripped apart Manchester City on mm. the counter attack. It's the classic Conte way. It kind of reminded me of when he went to um, the Etihad uh, when he was manager of Chelsea when they won the league, and he had Costa, Pedro, and Willian. Mm. Um, and they completely destroyed Man City. Costas like the Kane, Pedro's like the Son, Willian's like Kulusevski. But he was absolutely phenomenal. He scored the first goal, assisted, the, uh, got the beautiful cross for the last-minute winner for Kane. Mm. Um, for me, he would be my Player of the Week. I know that's a bit controversial. Mm. A lot of people are probably going to go for Harry Kane, but I think it's hilarious that I mean he's he said it's like effectively what he's done is he said to City, "You should have signed me. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done this to you." Yeah. And I think now. Based on that result, I think that for me, obviously as a Liverpool fan, I was celebrating like crazy when it was I think that the race, if we win the game in hand against Leeds, will be back on. Mm. Um, which of course is good because no one likes no one wants to see the title race to be over and done by sort of yeah, February. You want
1: some nail-biting end of the season drama. Um, but but then saying that again, Kane, he he was involved in all three goals. I remember seeing. Um, the first goal, where he dropped back and the through ball he played to Song, like as a striker, being able to have that vision and not just be a poacher but contribute a lot to your your team. Um, and then obviously the two goals goals afterwards. Arguably, the difference between it being two one and three two. Yeah. I know not chronolog, not chronologically how that happened, but.
0: But so. what is it with Manchester City and Tottenham Hotspur um, and amazing games between them at the Etihad? Mm-hmm. It's just a common theme. Um, Whether I feel it's like Trappers League or Premier League. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. I mean the history of those. I feel like it's a rivalry at this point. I mean mm-hmm. Pep Guardiola has. Is, they've they've done the double on Manchester City. I never thought that at the start of the season that Tottenham Hotspur would be doing the double on City. Yeah. are the first team to do that in a very long time. I think. Um, so. It's an incredible performance, and the defensively they were absolutely outstanding. And City looked a bit at the back; they were all over the shops. Like Cancelo didn't play well. Carl Walker yeah. for that last goal—it was if he didn't even try to head the ball away from danger. If he'd done that, obviously Kane wouldn't have scored. Mm. So I think it's a very, very incredibly impressive Tottenham performance, and it actually massively boosts their Champions League hopes, which I know something that Theo isn't going to want to hear but (laughs) there's one spot left and there's about
1: a million teams going for it in that sort of uh, seventh to fourth place Um, but um, also another player who has gone under the radar another striker um, Meghorst who uh, he got two goals and he's hit the ground running at um, the new club Um, what do you think about that he's
0: I think it was a shrewd signing, um, a signing from Wolfsburg, who had just qualified from the Champions League, he plays, he starts for the Netherlands up front, I, I was actually amazed that Burnley bought him in, I mean I would not have swapped Champions League Euro- European football for Burnley. That I uh, no disrespect to any Burley fans yeah. <laughs> Who'll be tuning in. Um, but he's been brilliant, and he was. I remember he was incredibly impressive against Manchester United. As well. he, yeah, got the for the he set up that first goal. goal.
1: But he, him. Um, speaking of Maguire again, he keeps coming up. He just pulled him away and yeah. then made the space,
0: didn't he, for that mm-hmm. um, that goal. So yeah, definitely honourable mention to vocals. I think now he'll probably kick on. Um, another player who I thought was incredibly impressive um, this week was Emil Smith-Rowe him mm. and Saka are carrying Arsenal this season they're, car- he, they're carrying them to mm-hmm. the top four places and I think that was a big win for Arsenal uh, beating Brentford 2-1 two, 3-1 um, two uh, oh 2-1 two 2-1 two 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 one. One, that's the one but then you've got to My think they,
1: they got beat 2-0 at the start of the season by Brentford um, yeah. So which I know it is Brentford like a, a club the size of Arsenal should be beating them but um or easily but with what they've been going through at the moment, a bit of a transition stage, mm. which I, mm. I don't know how long that's been going on for. But um,
0: I, uh, I've been quietly impressed with Arsenal this season. Yeah, I they've think... had
1: like a good sustainable way of playing, mm. which they might not always get results, but they they've got a style now. I feel like under Arteta.
0: And I, I really like what they're doing with you know their best players now. Actually, they're academy players. And Smith mm. Rowe's goal against Brentford was pretty really just a little mazy run, little dribble, yeah. cutting from the left onto his right foot, curled it into the bottom corner. Um, and then he assisted the Saka goal as well. He was mm. absolutely outstanding. So but
1: that's what you need. You just need like a few players. Cause I remember when he used to come off the bench a lot, and he'd nab a goal. You just need a few players like that who, even if they're not starting, can just contribute a few goals and assists. Like maybe ten goals and assists a season, and that will um, elevate the amount of points you get so much. Like it will be the difference or winners or
0: equalisers in certain mm. games. So. Mm. So, what we will do as a little segment of our show is because me and Theo support two of the biggest clubs, the biggest in the rivalry country, in England. Potentially. The biggest rivalry in England. Mm. We don't actually. There's actually a screen between us as we're in the studio. Hold me back. It's gonna, it's going it's gonna get <laughs> tense. It's gonna yeah. get tense. <laughs> but we're gonna have a little Liverpool-Man um, U debate, um, mm.
1: and the topic for this week is um, Gerard V. Scholes. So I'm obviously going to have to back my boy, back Skulls. I,
0: I'm um, going to let you go first. I'm going uh, le, to let you go first. Okay, Why do you think Skulls okay. is better than Gerard?
1: I think Skulls... Um, I feel like I've said this a lot. He um, is obviously highlighted as not getting the goals and the assists and things like that. Um, and I think a lot of players have said this as well, as like a criticism of the Bound Or that it is just about goals and assists. I think Skulls is a player who... You see him um, play a game, and he's breathtaking. He's like almost a perfect midfielder. But you can't. There's no stat for having an amazing game, such as like goals and assists, which like comparable. Um, so I get Gerard will beat him in that sense, but as a player, Skulls just had that little bit of magic, had that, li- that amazing touch, amazing vision and pass, where he could just put it on. Um, a pinpoint um, so I'd say Skulls um, oh, I'm uphill, uphill battle this one but I would say Skulls just had that little bit of magic Yeah. potentially yeah. and he didn't slip either
0: wow you <laughs> so actually went, there. You, I actually went there. there you actually went there you actually went there I'd say Skulls is better than a um sucking his daughter's toes yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm joking I'm joking look this is this is why I mean, I've got to back my boy Stevie. Yeah. This is why I think it's Stevie. I know that you'll say he didn't win a prem. That's fair mm. enough. If he had gone to Chelsea, he mm. would have won the prem, loads of times with them. Him and Lampard in that midfield at Chelsea under Mourinho. They, I mean, they would have dominated. Yeah. Totally. I think Stevie. He's a legend of the game. In my, obviously, in my opinion, I think he's the best midfielder the Premier League has ever seen. I think that Scholes was an unbelievable football player. I'm not saying he not a bad. He was a bad player. I think back to that goal he scored that volley against Aston Villa. Um, you know, skulls. Mm. He did have it on the locker. Yeah. I just think that the impact that Steven had on the on Liverpool Football Club and the fact that he was loyal to them and the fact that in the biggest games of Liverpool's history he stepped it up when we mm. needed him most. Istanbul, 2005. He got the team. He, a he got. He got player, the penalty. Yeah, he scored the goal. He galvanised the club. FA Cup final. It's the last minute of the game. We're losing to West Ham. Mm. He scores. The greatest goal, in my opinion, in an FA Cup final ever. It was Mm. an unbelievable strike. In the last minute, 40 yards out. Couldn't have picked it in a better corner. And if you look at Stevie, his goal-scoring record, his assist record for Liverpool, is quite outstanding considering that for many years, Liverpool had a very average team. Very, very average team. I mean, of course, the days when we had Torres and Suarez and Coutt and um, players like that, uh, when we had a good team, Pepe Reina and Goal. Mm. Um, we were immense and obviously nearly won the league twice, um, but a beach ball and a slip cost us yeah. on two separate occasions. That I yeah. still that beach ball thing I still haunts That me. was,
1: but oh, you will never see that happen again. But yeah. it's such yeah. a weird like anomaly in football the beach ball situation.
0: I just think that Gerrard, his overall game defensively, um, in attack, important goals, incredible goals. He could do anything with a football. He could ping it straight to you from forty yards out. He could mm. run back, he was strong in the tackle, he had incredible long shot and he was a brilliant leader and organiser. And I think that if you put Gerard in any I mean any club in the world would have wanted him. And I think it does go to show that that Gerard and Lampard, because um, obviously Lampard as well, that we yeah, talked about talk that and that people him, always yeah. talk about that. And and Lampard said it as well on Sky Sports he, every time he gets in a cab everyone says, Oh, who do you think Lampard scores, Gerard? And of course there was a moment when all three could have played in the same starting 11 for England but Sven actually preferred a 4-4-2 so he had to leave one of them out and that's one of the reasons that Scholes retired from England juicy Mm. but I just think Stevie hit everything and he was an unbelievable player and the respect and the charisma that he has throughout Liverpool Football Club is just unreputable and um, that's why I think Stevie is is better but that's not to say that Scholes was not a good player Scholes was amazing Mm. and I can't believe that we had Lampard Scholes-Gerrard and we didn't win anything for England
1: well that England team I it mean, was. Um, I remember hearing stories about that um, and comparing them to um, the England team at present. And that, um, like, club the club was more important than country in a sense for yeah. previous England teams, where they'd um, like we've all heard what Rooney said, where he like wore wearing those longer studs to try and injure um, against Chelsea, time. which yeah. is oh, I can't remember who it was against actually.
0: John Terry. John, yeah, John Terry. There we go.
1: Yeah. Um, but imagine you do that and then next week you're in England duty playing mm. with the guy you nearly tried to put out for the I season. Like, there's obviously going to be tensions but which I think is way different to present because they will love each other now. Declan Rice, Mason Mount is like yeah, an example.
0: I think it's so nice to see that the England team is so well gelled now. Mm. I feel like the club thing is less important and I think because of the recent success getting to the semis of the World Cup, getting mm. to the final of the Euros, now that now we're improving as a side and the um refurbishment of St George's Park where they train mm. and the interactions and the squad things they do and they go holidays together it's the best we've ever seen and mm. this, these England players in the midfield they're not as good as Gerard and Lampop and Scholes, but they've gone further than them because they play as a team mm. I think a lot of the England team back then they just were individuals they weren't a team yeah. and they didn't get yeah. on you know all the Chelsea players hang out with all the Chelsea players all the United it players, was like all the Liverpool players Yeah. the Yeah, yeah. Um, Neville and Carragher talk about that all the time but I think it's different these days and I think the nation feels more united I think in football respect than I think it ever has been before and the future of it but I'd say the future of English football looks incredible Bellingham Foden yeah true I'm I mean, a young talent Declan Rice Me, England are looking outstanding potentially
1: Bellingham could be up there in the future with that this midfield debate um, mm. but I think we'll We'll sum that up now so i think i will concede that gerard skulls um you, debate. <laughs> <laughs> How, however much it pains me i i won't go to the border of being a delusional united fan and trying to argue but um oh I actually, yeah, yeah i love mark goldbridge though
0: yeah shout out to mark goldbridge yeah i love we'd love to do you know we, i maybe we should reach out and try and get him on the pod yeah get we'd absolutely pod. love to have him on but um <laughs> No, this is this is this is a great little introduction for our segment for our show. Just to yeah. give you a sense of the flavour of what we like to talk about, and you've got to look forward to the the, the viewers listening in to look forward mm. to when we speak to fans. And we know the Yorkshire people; they're very proud people. They're yeah. great people. They <laughs> care a lot about their clubs, and I can't wait to be um, to be interviewing these people in the next couple of weeks. at these am yeah, like, I'm, clubs I'm buzzing for to. it.
1: So, um, uh watch the space we're going to be interviewing some clubs we won't let you know who yet we'll keep keep you keep you waiting for that one um but thank you for tuning into the debut episode of the locker room and we hope to um hear you guys again soon